wonder if God got a plan for everyone I wonder if I could take a second run Cause I carry on getting sad and getting stuck What I wouldn't give for a life that doesn't suck I'm a moving target Welcome back to the S3 podcast in today's episode, we will be discussing the undi- unsolved disappearance of Paula Jean Weldon. But before we get right into it, I hope that you have a great start to your morning, a uh, great day. I am currently recording this uh, at 6.15am. This will be going up at 2pm, so be on the lookout for that. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at s3podcast underscore. We are also on Facebook as well. So, without further ado, let's get right into it. So, Paula Weldon was the eldest of four daughters of the well-known industrial engineer, architect and designer William Archibald, Archibald Weldon, 1900 to 1970, and his wife, Jean Douglas born at Mount Kisco, New York, 1901, died at Venice, Florida, 1976, formerly of Wilson of Brookdale Road, Stamford, Connecticut. Employed by the Revere Copper and Brass Company, W. Archibald Weldon was the designer of many familiar household utensils, as well as stylish cocktail stickers and other objects. <coughs> Paula Weldon was a 1945 graduate of Stanford High School. In 1946, Weldon was a sophomore at Bennington College in North Bennington, Vermont. Her college dormitory was Dewey House, one of the older dormitories on the college grounds, and which remains standing to this day. One day, Weldon resolved to find and walked a portion of the long trail located a few miles from the campus. She knew of the famous trail but hadn't yet had an opportunity to hike it. She tried to get some other students to join her that day but they were busy. She went by herself. So, you know, she thought she would, you know, go on a little exploration, you know, of this long trail. So, after finishing her shift in the Bennington College dining hall, Weldon returned to her room and changed into walking walking clothes. Her clothing was adequate for the weather that that afternoon. The anticipated drop in temperature that night, she packed no bag, took no extra clothing, and did not take any extra money. From all appearances, Weldon did not expect to be gone more than a few hours. She walked down the campus's driveway and hitched a ride from State Route 76A near the college entrance in North Bennington to a point on State Route 9 near the Furnace Bridge between downtown Bennington and Woodford Hollow. Local contractor Lewis Knapp picked Weldon up and drove her as far as his house on Route 9, about 2.5 miles from the long trail. From this point, Weldon either hitchhiked or walked the rest of the way. To start 
off the trail in Woodford Hollow. A group of hikers were walking down the trail as Weldon was walking up. She approached them and asked them a few questions about the long trail. Weldon continued walking in a northerly direction on the road portion of the trail, now known as Harbour, Harbour Road. She was on the long trail late in the afternoon and darkness was falling as she approached the end of Harbour Road. She may have continued into quickly darkening woods and it was presumed that she must have continued her walk along the bowl, along the Bowlesbrook Valley, although there are no known confirmed sightings of her path, the Fay Fuller Camp. So now we get into the search. Weldon did not return to her campus. Her roommate thought she must have gone to the library to study for exams. But the next morning, Weldon still had not returned. Once the college administrators were notified, they immediately started the search of the campus itself. The Bennington County State's Attorney was notified and the county sheriff was brought in to help with the search. Over the next couple of days, Weldon's visit to the Long Trail was discovered when one of the hikers she had approached identified her from the photo in the Bennington Banner newspaper where he worked. Weeks of searching ensued. Bennington College closed for several days, and the students and faculty participated in organised searches. Hundreds of volunteers, family members, National Guard troops, students and firefighters searched for Weldon to no avail. Ground and air searches concentrated on the long trail, up as far as Glastonbury Mountain, 10 miles to the north, the trails, various branches, and along Route 9 from Bennington to Brattleboro. Most of those searching assumed Paula had gotten lost in the woods, where no clues were found as to her whereabouts. Other theories started to be considered. Connecticut Police State, State Police Investigation. Alternative theories speculated that Weldon had been in usually high spirits and had to and had decided to run away to start a new life, was going to meet a secret lover and eloped with him, or had become injured and suffered from amnesia. Darker theories speculated that Weldon was depressed and may have committed suicide. She might have been kidnapped or murdered. At the time of Weldon's disappearance, there was no state police organisation in Vermont, and the state's attorney, county sheriff and state investigator, Alma Franzoni, were responsible for finding clues. Roland's father pressed the investigators and Governor Mortimer R. Proctor to bring in additional professional law enforcement help. Proctor asked Governor Raymond E. Baldwin of Connecticut, Scooby, to lend assistance. Connecticut State Police Detective Robert Rondell and State Policewoman Dorothy Scoville were assigned to the case. They interviewed every person who saw or thought they saw Weldon, and every person who lived along the route she took or who they simply who or who were simply in the vicinity of the long trail on that December afternoon. 
Investigators discovered that one of the last people to see Weldon alive was a lumberjack named Fred Gadet, who lived along Harbour Road. Gadet was in the midst of an argument with his girlfriend when Weldon walked by. Gadet stormed off in a jealous rage. Shortly thereafter, and depending on different statements he made, went to his shack and spent the evening by himself, or he drove his truck up the travelled portion of the trail where Weldon was heading. Gadet lied to police on several occasions and was a person of interest, both in 1946 and when the case was revisited in 1932. Reportedly, Gadet told at least two people that he knew within a hundred feet where Weldon was buried, but later claimed it was just idle talk. When no evidence was found that a crime had actually committed, been committed, sorry, nobody was ever discovered, and no forensic clues were identified. This avenue of the investigation ended. <coughs> the manner in which Weldon's disappearance was handled by local law enforcement was sharply criticised by her father and many others. Weldon, Weldon's father pointed out that the lack of of a statewide law enforcement organisation and the lack of training of local sheriffs contributed to a poorly run investigation. Within seven months of Weldon's disappearance, the Vermont legislature created the Vermont State Police. In the same general area where Weldon's disappeared, at least four other unexplained vanishings were reported to have been to have taken place between 1945 and 1950. Due to the strangeness of these events, Vermont broadcaster and author Joseph A. Citro dubbed the wilderness area northeast of Bennington, the Bennington Triangle, a reference to unexplained disappearances in the Bermuda Triangle. And so if we go to, through some of the reported Disappearances. Middle Rivers, 1945. Between 1945 and 1950, five people disappeared in the Bennington area. The first occurred on November 12, 1945, when 74-year-old Middle Rivers disappeared while out hunting. Rivers was guiding a group of four hunters up the mountains. On the way back, Rivers got ahead of the group and was never seen again. An extensive search was conducted, but only evidence discovered was a single rifle cartridge that was found in the stream. The speculation was that Rivers had leaned over and the cartridge had dropped out of his pocket into the water. The disappearance had occurred in the Long Trail Road area and Vermont Route 9. Rivers was an experienced hunter and fisherman, and was familiar with the local area. Paula Weldon, 18 years of age, disappeared about a year later on December 1st, 1946, which we covered. Um, her, her disappearance was the inspiration for the 1951 novel Hang by Shirley Jackson, James Tedford, 1949. James E. Tedford, spelled as Tedford or Tedford, a veteran, was the third person to disappear. 
He went missing on December 1st, 1949, exactly three years after Paula Weldon had disappeared. Tedford was a resident of the Bennington Soldiers' Home. He had been in St. Albans visiting relatives and was returning home on the local bus when he vanished. According to witnesses, Tedford got on the bus and was still on the bus at the last stop before arriving in Bennington. Somewhere between the last stop and Bennington, Tedford vanished. His belongings were still in the luggage rack and an open bus timetable was on his vacant seat. So a bit of a strange one there. Then there was Paul Jefferson, 1950. The fourth person to vanish was eight-year-old Paul Jefferson on October 12, 1950. Jefferson had accompanied his mother in the truck. She left her son unattended while she fed some pigs. His mother was gone for about an hour. When she returned, her, her son was nowhere in sight. Search parties were formed to look for the child. Nothing was ever found. Though Jefferson was wearing a bright red jacket that sort of made him more visible. According to one story, bloodhounds tracked the boy to a local highway, where according to local legend, four years early, earlier, Paula Weldon had disappeared. Then the last one was Frida Langer. 1950. The fifth and last disappearance occurred 16 days after Jefferson had vanished, on October 28, 1950. Frieda Langer, 53, and her cousin Herbert Asner left their family campsite near the Somerset Reservoir to go on a hike. During the hike, Langer slipped and fell into a stream. She told Eisner if he would wait, she would go back to the campsite changed clothes and catch up to him. When she did not return, Asner made his way back to the campsite and discovered Langer had not returned and that nobody had seen her since they had left. Over the next two weeks, five searches were conducted involving aircraft, helicopters and up to 300 searches. No trace of Langer was found during the search. On May 12, 1951, her body was found near Somerset Reservoir in an area that had been extensively searched seven months previously. No cause of death could be determined because of the condition of her remains. Langer was the last person to, dis- to disappear and the only one whose body was found. No direct connections have been identified that tie these cases together. Other than the general, ge- general geographic area, and time period. In popular culture, the Bennington Triangle was discussed in Season 3, Episode 8 of the television programme William Shatner's Weird or What. The episode entitled Mysterious Vanishings, Mysterious Vanishings first aired on July 23, 2012. The events of 1945 to 1950 are told in Episode 67 of Law titled the Red Coats. The Bennington Triangle was featured as one of the haunted locations in the paranormal TV series Most Terrifying Places in America, which aired on the Travel Channel in 2018. The episode, titled Unnatural World, told the stories about reportedly missing persons in a five-year span. 
and local law of the Bennington monster, Bigfoot-like creature that supposedly roams these woods, wooded areas. The Bennington Triangle is a phrase coined by New England author Joseph A. Citro during a public radio broadcast in 1992 to denote an area of southwestern Vermont within which a number of people went missing between 1945 and 1950. This was further popularised in two books, including Shadow, Shadow Child, in which he devoted chapters to discussion of these disappearances and various items of folklore surrounding the area. According to Citro, the area shares characteristics with the Bridgewater's Triangle in southeastern Massachusetts. Precisely what area is encompassed in this hypothetical mystery? Triangle is not clear, but it is purportedly centered on Glastonbury Mountain and would include some or most of the area of the towns immediately surrounding it, especially Bennington, Woodford, Shaftesbury, and Somerset, Glastonbury, and its neighboring township, Somerset, were both once moderately thriving logging and industrial towns but began declining toward the late 19th century, and are now essentially ghost towns, unincorporated by an act of the Vermont General Assembly in 1937. According to Citroën books, stories of strange happenings had been told about Glastonbury and surrounding area for many years, the best known of which is probably that of Paula Jean Roden. And so that would be, and so that's that um as far as as far as any more information on Paula Jean Weldon, I couldn't find any more. If any of you know if there's any more information on Paula Jean Weldon or if you know that if or if you know that her body was found, then do please let me know. And I will try and do a follow up if but like I said, that will be it. Um, this will be going up at 2pm. Um, so, yeah, I hope you have an amazing day. Um, just take it one day at a time. If you're struggling and you need to reach out, then do the information. Until the next episode, I hope you have a great week. And above all, take care of yourself. I wonder if God got a plan for everyone I wonder if I could take a second run Cause I carry on getting sad and getting stuck What I wouldn't give for a life that doesn't suck I'm a moving target